DJ and PK brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. All right, PK, as you watch all the projects and watch the movie, Game 6, 98, from a bunch of different angles, all things Jordan are out there. Now, I think we got to set it aside. We can't really do anything like The Last Dance because, A, it's MJ, and B, it's happening during the pandemic, and there's no live games for two months, going on three months, so the timing was Unbelievable. But having set that aside, we've seen the 30 for 30 franchise produce a lot of documentaries that caught people's eyes. There are other documentaries out there. We're seeing, um, I don't know, Baron Davis was maybe the first guy I saw really jump into the, uh, the media and the producing end of it as an ex-player. Clearly LeBron is going that way. Peyton Manning went that way, but more as a performer. So we're going to see more of these. There's a Clipper documentary out now about the Clippers in the playoffs and Donald Sterling blowing up and the tape and all that and him being forced out. There are going to be more of these. If you were going to see an enormous project, you know, something in that more than a 30 for 30 typically will run, you know, 90 minutes, two hours, something like that. But once you get to that five hours to 10 hours where you're basically a mini series, right? And Jordan's at 10 hours. What stories have the, uh, the interest level and the depth? It's not just the entrance of one big game, but there are multiple stories. The way this story was basically about Jordan, but they spent time on Kerr's story. They spent time on Rodman's story, on Pippen's story. What stories out there intrigue you enough and have enough depth that you think a big audience would sit down and watch it? None. Really? This is it? It was a total one-off. No, I love the, the whatever. I don't understand why they call it 30 for 30. Because they tried to do 30 of them to celebrate oh. uh, ESPN's 30 years, but it was oh, so okay. successful yeah. that now that's just the brand, and now they just they do. Okay, thank you. I, actually, I never knew that, so yeah. now I, I get it. Uh, but no, those, those are fine. I love that stuff. I, I turn on the Smithsonian when I'm when I'm going through, and they'll have that aerial America. Yeah, the Air America stuff's good. And they'll and, and it's obviously they pick like if they go in any New England state, they pick a gorgeous fall day. <laughs> they don't go in it's all, <laughs> yeah. all foggy or windy. Right. The leaves are just blowing. <laughs> the trees are getting stripped, <laughs> and people are thinking, "Why do I live here? This place right. sucks." No, <laughs> you know the, the all the colors of the trees and the leaves are just as sparkling as can be, and you're thinking, "Wow, that's just beautiful. I need to go there." If you haven't been there, so they always pick the best day possible. And uh, I'm always – I think I've seen every one of them now. Uh, All 50 states? I may Probably not. But yeah. I've, I've seen, seen a lot of them, but I haven't seen but all But they're of them. available on – at least on my Comcast. Yeah, they I are. I just call yeah, them up them anytime I want. Uh, so th- those are fascinating to me because they do it so well. And that narrator dude that's talking about it. And I know I've watched the California one and the Arizona one and the Utah one. Plus states where I've lived, I've seen like I've, I've watched yeah. them multiple times. And so that type of stuff is out there. But, yeah, whatever. Any of these players, everyone has a story. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody's got a story. Some are more fascinating. Some you have to overcome more odds. Not, not everybody was born on third base. A lot of people think who were actually born on third base think they weren't, but they were because nobody wants to say, yeah, man, I've, I've had was, an easy life. <laughs> I, was, I was born on third. I had a big lead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they want to tell you that they struggled too, no matter what. They want to tell Everybody wants to do that. I can remember one time I was with someone, and we were talking about mispronouncing last names. 
And her last name was Foster, and she's trying to say that people were mis- mispronouncing her last name. It's like, get out of town. <laughs> Foster. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody was mispronounced that. It doesn't make any sense. It's impossible. So, you know, everybody wants to have – if you don't have one, you want to have one. But just about everybody has one. But I don't know that there could be anything to this level that could go for, okay, I've got to watch it. Now, maybe I'm a little bit different because we decided that – uh, we were going to talk about it on Sunday night on mm-hmm. television each of those five weeks. So it literally became a work assignment for me. I right. mean, I had to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, I probably most likely would have anyway, but if I would have missed, say, 20 minutes of it, I wouldn't have sweat it. Well, now, since this was you know, in school parlance, this was a homework assignment. It became part of my job. I, my family knew at 7 o'clock You're I'm going watch. downstairs. Yeah. And so I was watching it. But I don't know that there would be anything to this level. Uh, the way I looked at it, it was five episodes. It was five Five two-hour things, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really see a big difference there. So I look at it five weeks or ten hours of, of television viewing. I don't know that there could be anything. Jackie Robinson, but, but they wouldn't have the, the video right, yes. that would match the way they did with this, the world that we live in today. But it, see, here's the thing is I think there's an audience for this stuff because the stories are good. They're really not targeting you and I because as I was reading some of the reviews from people, especially the, the national media that were all around Jordan and the Chicago media that was all around him, one consistent thing is a lot of them said uh, somebody, and I wish I could credit the right person, but somebody said, it's a well-told story of a well-told story. You know, it was like there wasn't that much yeah. new there. There were tidbits, but if you were following it closely, which you and I were in the '90s because of work, we knew most of it. You know, it was a well-told story then, but they did a good job of telling it now. And 20 years later, there's an audience that, because of time, isn't going to have the awareness. I took a pop culture class when I was in college, and I got to admit I took it because I heard it was easy. (laughs) I took it, but there were a couple things that stayed with me and were actually have really helped. Is one is that um, we America, it's just cultural. We like to reminisce about what happened a generation before, and the generation was there likes to tell the generation that's coming on this is what it was like, and you could go through a bunch of TV shows. I was in college in the 80s, so they used the 70s as an example. You know, Happy Days was about the 50s. The uh, the movie, I always forget its name now. It was a movie that uh, the, it had a bunch of stars. American Graffiti. American Graffiti, right. It was about the 50s. American Graffiti. Well, you and I have talked about Wonder Years, right? They did it in the 90s. It was about the 70s. They do Jordan now. It's about 22 years ago. So 20 years from now, I think there'll be an audience for the Warriors story. I think there are multiple stories to tell there. Um, you know, it. Steph Curry growing up the son of an NBA player, how did that and, and the son of a very good shooter. You know, how did that impact him? And then he's at a small college. He's overlooked. He plays for an NBA great, Mark Jackson. Pronouncements are made. The thing blows up. Jackson's out. Kerr comes in. You know, they, he's tied into the Jordan legacy, too. There's two years, one with the 73 wins, uh, won the NBA title. They don't win the title. Either. They break Jordan's record with 73 wins. Then Durant shows up, so that's its whole own circus. There's this... Um, 
crossover with LeBron because they're meeting in the finals year after year after year. That's unprecedented. So, and now whatever chapter is written here as they try to come back from injuries, I think uh, I think there's a lot of stuff there. I think that'll make a great documentary. I think in 20 years it'd be a lot mm, of no, that. There's no juice to it, but not for not for 10 hours. 10 would be on the high there's end. No juice I agree. to it. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see something uh, like the. How can I phrase this? The more frequent occurrence of fan-player interaction and how that's gotten out of hand. You know, the malice in the palace uh-huh. was the ultimate, right? Okay, so coming on to the what court. what led up to, and we saw, yeah, and we saw the, a lady in the, from the uh, Indiana series screaming obscenities. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What leads people to do that? Where did that start? When did that become to where that wasn't completely and totally over the top? And why would somebody, and we've had it here in our market where people thought it was okay to be yelling at, at players. It, where did that go? You know, and how, how we had a, a, a fan come out of the stands on a cheerleader. What is going into that to think that most likely, what I would assume, maybe I'm wrong, rational people who live everyday lives but somehow when they go to an arena think all bets are off and i can pretty much do whatever i want and they lose it (laughs) and i can yeah where where did that start how is that developed what is it some of it i'm sure is alcohol but not all of it it is you know maybe more and the nfl with the tailgating uh there's 60 minutes or somebody did a story on you know, the, the, somebody got killed on a way home and, you know, how much alcohol is being consumed in these games and these tailgates and all this stuff that's going on there. And where did that where did that become acceptable? And what is all our responsibility in involved in it? So something that is not obvious. The warrior thing is sort of obvious. Just pick uh, that anybody who has a nice run. And just start something on that. Belichick and, and Brady. You can, you can Twenty go. years, baby. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you the know, winners are the ones who are going to have their. Yeah, do. winners are going to have their stories told, though. How often is it going to be anything else? I mean, it often comes down to people win at a high level. If Jordan had won at a high level, this wouldn't have happened. No, and he says that, but there is all sorts of juice to the story. Whereas I don't think the Warriors really had – they drafted well, and then they got a superstar to sign with them, and they won titles. Okay, you could pretty much pick anybody to do that. And they, if you had a couple of good drafts and you had uh, the second-best player join you, you're going to win. You know, you're going you're gonna to go out there. I think another thing that we need to ask involving this – is how much of the personal life do you want involved? Because there was some criticism that only Jordan's children came in at the end where they didn't want to go to Utah, and there was nothing about his ex-wife, and they showed her sitting there at the first retirement Mm -hmm. next to him. Me, personally, if they don't tell me anything about the guy's personal life, I don't care. Because I don't care about these guys' personal lives. (laughs) I don't want want to know them about what, what they do. It doesn't matter to me. Now... If you pretend to be this big family dude and you're out there screwing around doing all this other stuff, don't do that. Don't tell me that stuff. But if you're like Derek Jeter and by all accounts, you know, he was a bachelor and he was living that bachelor lifestyle, 
I don't care. He has every right to be living that lifestyle. I don't care about that. Uh, but don't tell me that, you know, you're this faithful guy to your wife and you're a great dad. And it's part of being a great dad is loving your spouse if you happen to be married uh, and, and having a family unit, if that's what you're pretending to be. If you're not, then fine. So I didn't really want to know what what's Jordan doing uh with his love life, basically. I don't care. doesn't matter to me. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in him as the ball player. If he wants to share that, and Joe Ingles has chosen to share that uh, to an nth degree. But if he didn't want to, I would have been totally fine with it. He's chosen to, so I'm interested in it. And when they, uh, his wife gets pregnant, they decide they want to announce it. And obviously with the autism, with the, with the son, they've come forward on that and they've done great work and raise awareness. That's his choice. But if he didn't want to do it, no problem there. I don't want to hear about it. If they don't want to talk about it, I've got no problem with that. I think it's inevitable some of these stories will get told. Uh, you know, I, I think a big part of LeBron going to Hollywood is he's going to end up doing this kind of stuff and – I assume in 20 years he'll be telling his own story the way Jordan told his own story. Be interesting to see how much people embrace it and how much media. Isn't he already telling his story? A little bit, yes. Do I I need more of LeBron? (laughs) Well, you're getting it either way. (laughs) But I mean, it's like the Jordan story got told too. Now, it wasn't the same way. I mean, it was a different era. Technology was different, you know, but that story was told. But part of who they told it for now was, you know, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, we could tell on social media, he was clearly sitting down and watching it live every week and and reveling in it. You know, there's always a new generation that comes on that will know, depending on their age, might know some of the story. And, and to some of us who lived it, and actually Gage just tweeted at us. There's so much an info video out there now, there just isn't enough unknown like there was back in the Jordan era. Right. Except that I don't know that that much of the Jordan stuff was unknown. I mean, it was if you were 12 at the time. I get that. Yeah, but this is during a pandemic, too. Yeah, it is. So There's it's no doubt. all sorts of circumstances came together to we're all stuck at home and we're not running around. We're not taking trips. If I were to, we usually, my wife's a teacher, we usually take a trip. Uh, when school's out, well, we're not doing it this year. Yeah. So and there would have been there would have been major league baseball games on every night. There would have been stadiums full of people, and there would have been local regional audiences watching all of those games. I mean, the sports scene would have been fractured in a way. It's not fractured now because none of that's going on. There's no baseball. There's no golf. There's no nothing except the Jordan documentary. And see, you got to have the charismatic, the ultimate charismatic figure. LeBron is not a charismatic figure in the way Jordan was. He's just not. LeBron, now he's chosen to be more out there socially. When that young man had the horrific incident of being killed in Florida uh, a few weeks back, whenever it was, I think it was a few months back, but then there was the arrest made. LeBron comes out and makes a tweet, and I'm paraphrasing, you can go look at the tweet, and says, you know, basically African Americans, every day they step out of their house, they're hunted. That's going to turn off a bunch of people. And you're going to have a bunch of people who aren't going to be interested in doing and watching that. Nothing will be to Jordan's level, but the story will still get told. I, you know, I mean, Tiger Woods' story is has been well told, but I expect we're we're going to get that because he can be up there at that level. 
I don't think LeBron can. Now his talent's off the charts, and he's great ball player. Love watching the guy play. There's no doubt about the story of, of him being out on the court. That's all I re- I don't care what he tweets. I don't care what his social activism is. If he wants to do that, more power to him. He certainly has every right. I don't care what his political stances are. None of that matters to me. He's an entertainer to me in the form of basketball. Tom Cruise is an entertainer to me in a form of making all these movies where he's jumping out of planes and buildings are blending out of these incredible car chases or bike motorcycle chases. That's what entertains me. Whatever his beliefs, he's going on, uh, it was years ago, but he went on some show and debated postpartum depression with Brooke Shields. Is that what it was? Yeah, I don't I care. So. About it. I, don't, I, I just don't care. How does Tom Cruise know about postpartum depression? I have no idea, but I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Boop, I just move on to the next thing. These guys, men, women, they're entertainers to me. I go to a concert. I don't care what their political beliefs As long as you don't pre- preach to me during your concert, I don't want to hear you do that. And you're up there, whatever, and you know, most of them tend to be a little on the liberal side, and that's fine. But I don't, want to, I don't want to go to listen to you give me a political speech. I'm paying good money for you to hear sing the tunes that I hear, that I bought, and that, that's what I want. You, got, you can have whatever political belief you want. I don't care. doesn't matter to me. They're entertainers. I just don't think LeBron passes the level the way Tiger did, the way Jordan did, because you have to cross all sorts of cultures. and just You have to be at least not you – you literally probably have to be worldwide in addition to uh, nationwide. And there's so few of those guys that are out there that really, really would be – an interesting deal for 10 hours. Well, there's some Ali stuff out there. It's not 10 hours, but there's a guy who crossed uh, internationally. Obviously. You know, yeah. is another mega star. That story's been told a million times yeah. over. If you haven't seen those movies, go uh, go check them out. You'll like them. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Craig Bowlerjack's coming up. Joe Ingles at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. NBA teams are expecting the league office will issue guidelines around June 1 that allow franchises to start recalling players who've left their markets. It's the first step towards a formal ramp-up for the season's resumption. Lakers forward Jared Dudley says it's a misconception that the NBA would resume its season in a bubble location that's so closely monitored the players would be restricted from exiting the premises until all the games are finished. You'll be allowed to leave, Dudley said on a video conference call with reporters Wednesday, citing conversations he's been privy to with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and the NBA Players Association Executive Director Michelle Roberts. The NCAA Division I Council voted Wednesday to allow voluntary on-campus athletic activities to resume in football and men's and women's basketball starting June 1st. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's $33 off any service at 801-833-3333. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. TV wants yeah. live sports. They are desperate for live sports. Yeah. We're watching the KBO for crying out loud. It's still on ESPN. You can catch the KBO twice a day. I tried. I couldn't do it. I could do it for the first couple of days, but there's just nothing to really It's like do. when you really try to do a crash diet and you're looking at that plate of kale and you're like, I'm not quite hungry enough for that yet. But if I put ranch and bacon on it. Then we got a chance. And put it on a burger. Yeah. And then <laughs> remove the kale as you ate the burger. <laughs> then we got something. 
pot of juice sneak on there. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zones. Every week we talk to Craig Bowlerjack and Joe Ingles. And PK, this week we got actual basketball developments to talk to both guys about. How about that? How weird is that? Sweet. Disorienting. Bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) But Bogdanovich's surgery opens up all kinds of question marks, assuming the league starts as we expect they're going to. So the Jazz go back and play whatever it turns out to be. I think they'll be, you know, 10-ish regular season games, give or take a little bit. And then the playoffs. And so for these games, and then more, obviously, you know, how far do you advance in the playoffs? And, and for the Jazz to advance, how are they going to replace a guy who scores 20 points a game? How are they going to replace a three-point shooter who gets, uh, first off, he takes a lot of threes. He makes a good percentage of them and at the same time makes his teammates better because it creates space for them to work. When the defense does slide towards him, maybe Joe Ingles is open on the other side or maybe there's room for Donovan Mitchell to uh, drive or maybe the team's caught in a scramble and they don't block out so Rudy gets an offensive rebound and a dunk. I mean, there's lots of things that all plays into each other and losing a guy who scores 20 points a game, is that going to mean more shots for Joe or is that going to mean the defense is going to stick closer to Joe and he won't get more opportunities? I think in a way, and we can run this past Bowler and Joe, but I think this is gonna this is gonna shift the spotlight back to Mike Conley. You know how much of the load can he pick up? Certainly, earlier in his career, when an offense was structured differently, he was a big time scorer. Now that wasn't as much his role here because there were so many guys who could score. But man, twenty points a game—they're gonna need somebody to pick that up. Well, I got the perfect solution. One and? word: Jimmer. <laughs> Troublemaker. <laughs> Isn't it obvious, guys? No, it really isn't. It really, it really isn't. <laughs> the guy can score. You need, need points. A, he they, can score. You need a big guy who can score. They don't need to make a small backcourt even smaller. What's the difference? As long as the ball's going in the hoop, you don't give you more or less points depending on your height. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Craig Bowlerjack. It's time to bring in Craig Bowlerjack and ignore Patrick Kinahan. Bowler joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Bowler, good morning. Hello, gentlemen. Actual real basketball news. It's unbelievable, Bowler. Yeah. No, I know. It's actually like, is it beginning? Is it really true? Could it happen? Yes. Could it happen? Yes, I think it could. I think it will. So I think it will. The question is, when they start playing, obviously, Bogdanovich will not be playing because Bogey's having the wrist surgery, and he's 20 right. points a game. He's taken seven three-pointers per game. He was a big part of the offense. Which player or possibly two or three players are going to shoulder most of that load? Oh, man. Well, I would think uh, off the bat, uh, off the top of my head, you got to have uh, probably more minutes uh, by George Niang, uh, more play time potentially opens for Jordan Clarkson. Uh, those are the two, and uh, obviously Joe Ingles. I would think those are three guys that come to mind. They've got scoring ability and uh, the three-point shot that obviously is in vogue in this league. So those are the three guys that I would uh, put to the forefront. 
But yeah, it's going to be I a big so. loss. It's a big loss, too, though. I mean, look, Bogdanovich not only, I think, you know, has, has proven himself as a versatile player in this league, but also, you know, there's uh, just just who he is, a team guy, locker room guy, on-the-floor guy. Uh, it'll be a big hit. But, again, if you're going to move past round one, you got to be deep enough, PK, I think, as we've noticed. You know, that's what the Jazz got Clarkson for was for depth and – He's going to come into play, and and if they do actually get into the into the uh, the playoff rounds, I think that if you had to have this type of situation happen during a season, this is the perfect season for it. Because at this point now, it's so screwed up, and to me, I don't want to say they'll just be playing for the for the fun of it. But obviously it'll be a weird situation, so it's best to get it done now so he can come back for the full season next season if that season starts in December whenever it starts. So for here, actually, I think it's a perfect opportunity for other guys because I don't think there's going to be that big playoff pressure this season. So, you know, we're always on on edge. What's going to happen? So, you know, if they open up on the road, can they get a split? Or if they open up at home, can they win their two games? All that stuff's out the window. So, now the way I look at it for these guys, they're all NBA players obviously, but there's not going to be that pressure that it usually is. So, just go out and play, and in that regard, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I think too if whatever the Adam Silver and the group Whatever the plan is that they allegedly are going to release on June one, PK uh, is look how many you know how, how many days you get to practice and then do you actually have any games at all? Do you play any of the final eighteen games uh, to reset maybe the the playoff pairings? Who knows? Uh, but you, I think it's a good point. I'm not sure how the players mentally will be into this. I know that if this is a financial. Uh, you know, the potential of financial, financial gain as they are, you know, revenue shares that does come into play, television, ownership and all that. But I, I just don't know if the same intensity, there may be a surprise winner here. I think is the point you're making is because, yeah. you know, how, how do you really refocus after three months of this, right? And how do you rebuild your body for this? And how do you handle knowing away knowing that you could be away from the family or maybe they do appease the players and allow them to go to, you know, and stay in, in Orlando at Disney, at Disney World. I don't know how it's all going to work, but they all have concerns. But I'm not sure the mental side of it, of how many of them will be focused on particularly playing, which I think really makes this intriguing on what team actually will be the better uh, focused team. And that, that, that may be the biggest key to it all. It feels like if it's Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. Well, certainly if it's Lakers or Clippers, it'll be a real championship because those guys are led by star players. So a lot of the way, you know, Duncan, it was an asterisk with the first one, but by the time he's done with five, they all blend together. And, you know, somebody had to win in the shortened season. And if it had been a full season, somebody would have won. And why not Duncan? He won four other times. And so I think now with the Bucks, it would be – Onto Kempo's first, but I think a lot of people are anticipating he's going to get one. Certainly with the Lakers and Clippers, their star players already have multiple ones. But beyond that, it would be an asterisk. Do you really think that some team could come out and take down two or three of those elite teams? Or they all, they could all be ill-prepared and shocked in the first or second round? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think PK's right. I, I this is an unpredictable situation. I mean, this is something that no one could have predicted, and I think it changes the whole atmosphere. I'm not sure. Again, guys, just really the the mental and physical um, preparation that goes into this into a season of 82 and beyond with preseason games and postseason play. Uh, you know, it just will intrigue me to see if they can regain the focus, the hunger, and which teams say, you know, we're the seventh seed. Look, let's prepare, stay healthy, and get ready for December. If that's in, indeed where they're going to try to restart 2021. 20, uh, so uh, there could be some. So I, I would not be surprised that there are big surprises if they do have postseason play. I really, I just, I just think mentally this is, you know, it's, it's a crapshoot. If Jordan was playing, it would be a hell of a test for him, too, in my mind. I really do. But who steps up? And you know what? The rumor is onto Takumbo. Is he going to move past the Milwaukee Bucks? That will be intriguing, too, to see where everybody's mindset is. And LeBron knows age is starting to creep up on him as well. Um so, yeah, the storylines will be there, but I think you'll see an upset or two along the way. So, and maybe that's good for basketball, too. But I think this season will always have an asterisk by it, too, uh, no matter what. Craig Bolajak joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh Walt Perrin, how well did you get to know him and his time here? What kind of a loss is that for the club with him taking the job with the Knicks? I got a lot of respect for Walt. I don't know him on a daily, you know, basis, but friendly and have spoken, you know, multiple times over the years and just an incredible individual. Uh, you know, he's got an eye. Uh, he's traveled the world to try to turn a stone and, and find that one player that can, you know, impact a franchise uh, like the, you know, for the Utah Jazz and just a pleasant man to be around. I know he's well-respected and obviously well-respected around the league. So, you know, what he's been able to accomplish here and the players that he's found, uh, you know, the preparation for the Jazz is about Walt and Dennis and, and others. But, you know, he saw players that intrigued him, and that's why Utah led the pack, really, in bringing players in for – the off-season workouts prior to the draft, pre-draft workouts, where this place was as busy as any place in the NBA. Uh, they wanted to develop players, as you guys know. Uh, they wanted to have players in their hip pocket in case they went overseas and they had a potential diamond in the rough that they could still, you know, keep an eye on to see what how he was that individual was in, was uh, developing. So. Yeah, it's a big loss. You know what? It's a huge task for him in New York, as we know what the the Knicks franchise has been now for a couple of decades. And I'm not sure it's going to change under the ownership, but at least he gets an opportunity uh, to go to the Big Apple and maybe try to – well, he will. That's the goal is to rebuild the New York Knicks uh, with young, talented players. Uh, the process could take time, obviously, but also mixing in some free agents. But – that whole scheme up there and the whole, you know, their payroll and everything that's happened in New York has frustrated many, many Knicks fans, and he's got himself quite a job. But for the Jazz, it's a loss. There's no doubt. It is a loss for Utah to lose Walt Perrin. 
So do you think they go inside or outside to replace him? You know, I, that's a great question, PK. I don't know if they just absorb it under the current financial situation. If they try to go stay inside the organization and spread those duties around. Dave Fredman has been with the Jazz since the, the New Orleans days. Uh, Richard Smith, uh, Smitty as we know him, is a guy that pops into my head about, you know, you know, increasing his duties and what uh, and, and Fredman as well, and a few other young young individuals that are, you know, kind of just sitting in the wings, waiting for their opportunity. So uh, they may go outside for some help, but they could. I could see definitely under under the circumstances, uh, they could stay in house as well. They've got quite a uh, an interesting scouting system around the world, and again, there's 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 many individuals who come and go throughout the season that you don't know well but they are stationed overseas and you know one of those one of those individuals may be someone they promote or they just try to uh, continue as as they are now but absorb it into the into the uh, into the franchise so bowler you hear any uh, as we get closer to this you you talk to any other broadcasters you hear any other dirt or are you just hearing what we're hearing <laughs> I want the gossip, Bola. Give me the dirt. I, I hear, I hear some dirt. I've talked to a half a dozen guys around the league, and uh, they feel kind of the same way. I think everyone in the NBA they want to work. Uh, they hope that this plan is one that involves them, us, as local regional broadcasters. I think that's the biggest concern: is that you know, as much as all of us miss the game, our job is to go, you know, call games. And what if? were not involved and that's a real possibility i mean i may not be in an arena sadly and i'm not happy about it but you know look i can't control it but may not be able to be in an arena until you know december or 2021 i don't know how this is going to work everyone that i've talked to has these incredible ideas and plans it's really interesting to just hear what they think what their franchises may be hinted uh, you know about going into the arena, how they're going to be handled, what type of uh, screening process, uh, seating. When would fans truly return? And you know, in a sellout situation, a few at a time, baby steps, toe in the water, all those things you hear. And I think all the, the common thread to this conversation is: you think we'll get to broadcast? And um, you know, we always have the right in a in a normal situation to broadcast round one of the playoffs. But we all agree that the most the, the likelihood is if there's any broadcast, ninety nine percent of it's going to be done through national television. Uh, and if we would broadcast potentially, maybe in a studio, but uh, that's. I'm not prepared, preparing myself to uh, – I'm not getting my hopes up too high for that as much as I'd love to be a part of the, of the postseason. So do you think that basically we are a high percentage, I don't know whatever that percentage you want to put on, as far as next season not starting on the regular time that's actually pushed back? You know, that seems to be, and again, I have no true clue, PK. You hear a lot of the same things, but, you know, the, the, the rumors, the target seems to be making a splash uh, to re-enter the sporting world 
uh, in the holiday season, which would be December. And if that happens, uh, then it really pushes the season even further, most likely into June and July of next year as well. I think I think everyone's going to have to sit back, and there's going to be some changes, uh, in my opinion. And I think we're all just going to have to try to understand and live with them if they're permanent. You know, if this and you guys have talked about this, does the league truly want to try to ease their way away from? an October start, meaning that the NFL's in full swing as is college football, and do they want to try to reestablish their own starting point so that they're the centerpiece of of the eyeballs of the sporting world? And it, it's, it's a hell of a thought. Uh, again, sponsorship, television contracts, scheduling, all those things come into play because right now it's kind of a perfect machine on how everything trends, you know, PK, how it goes, it just it's a smooth transition most of the time but i think everybody wants to be the story the story during a certain time of the year so maybe this is an opportunity that you know adam silver retools how the league approaches their scheduling i don't know you know cuz before all this right there was talk about the in season tournaments and that was intriguing but i'm not sure if that would take hold with the players association but again I think Adam Silver, much like David Stern, was always trying to continue to keep the game fresh and exciting for the fans to see if they couldn't, you know, continue to gain ratings but also maintain interest. And I'm anxious to see how this all plays out. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. Good to talk to you with some real basketball news out there. Yeah, it is good. I I know it's baby steps. It's like I know the cliche of putting your toe in the water, but – at least you got your shoe off, right, and and the toes in, and hopefully we'll get more and somebody jumps in. But you know it's got to be done right, and I think the players' safety obviously is, and the fans' safety is uh, paramount. And we'll see which direction we go. I know Joe's up. Tell him, hey, have a cup of Joe. No pun intended. <laughs> Too late. Thanks, I Bowler. Know, thanks. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> All right, Bowler's right. Joe is coming up. About 15 minutes. Stay with us. Joe Ingles on the way on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We just talked with Craig Bowlerjack. Joe Ingles is coming up. Lots of basketball. But from football, some football this morning, Jay Glazer says Saints coach Sean Payton wants Taysom Hill to succeed Drew Brees. He's bigger than Lamar Jackson. You think you'd ever hear that? Payton likes him that much. Jay Glazer the comment on the Saints and Peyton. Now, if they like him that much, why bring in Winston also? I mean, if you think he might be the next big thing, he's certainly capable of being a backup. And so bringing in Winston, I don't know, is that just a play you can never have too many good quarterbacks? Maybe you play Winston a couple games and you can trade him and get a draft pick from him in the middle of the season? What is the play there? Seems like, we talked about this earlier in the show, seems like there's about 10 good storylines. For me, the most obvious one is Drew Brees isn't going to be Lamar Jackson until he makes the jump in accuracy and completion percentage that Lamar Jackson made. You mean Taysom. Not Excuse Taysom me, Taysom, Hill. yeah. Taysom Hill becomes Lamar Jackson. I was going to say Drew Brees. No, 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 no. no. Taysom Hill becomes Lamar Jackson when he makes the jump in passing accuracy that Lamar Jackson made. They both completed in the mid-50s for most of their college career, and that's not good enough, and the NFL is going to be even tougher. 
Now, we don't have much of a sample size with Taysom. Lamar Jackson's uh, completion numbers weren't that good his first year, but his second year he went to 66%. And when you combine that with everything else he brings, well, no wonder. No wonder he blows up the way he did. They're yeah, a playoff but... team, and he's an MVP. But Taysom Hill... 6-13 completing passes in the NFL. That's not much of a sample size. And maybe the Saints are seeing it in practice, and they think they really got something here. But we haven't That's seen it no in no sample size. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't seen him be a starting quarterback in the NFL, so we have nothing to judge him on. I mean, I'm not going to judge him on 13, 13 passes. Because if he was 10 of 13, was you wouldn't be celebrate that. I mean, come on. And so I'm not going to go either way. But, you know, when we look at the NBA draft, we're not looking at, oh, look at his college stats and just basing everything on his college stats. It's the NBA draft. We've come to understand a lot of it is projection. So why not in the same mold in the NFL? Because in the NFL, it's a different animal. You're playing with better players. You've got coaching that can they're not restricted in the number of hours that they can be with you. I can't necessarily say that all coaching in the NFL is better than all coaching in college. Uh, you can draw a conclusion that the majority of it is better, but I don't know that. But nevertheless, there's no restrictions on how much time they can spend with you and how much time you can spend with them. And you're not worried about student uh, you know, classes and all that stuff. So who's to say that you draft someone and you see them down the road a little bit? And obviously, Taysom Hill wasn't even drafted because if you're just going to go on college careers – you know, Tom, Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. So it's not just about your college career. It's about what they can see in you and what you could possibly become and what they think they can help you become. So Peyton here is, is obviously thinking highly. The organization, as you pointed out, giving him $16 million. They're not going to just have him just be standing around. He's not just going to be one of these guys come August. Is he going to be on the roster or not? This guy is a guaranteed bona fide going to be on this roster, and they he has been with them. This will be his. Will this be his third year or fourth year? Oh, I think uh, it's his, with I think it's his fourth. Yeah, so he's been there, and they've been able to see what he can do, and I'm not going to limit him on his ability to improve. Yes, you're right. I agree with you 100% because we saw it in high school, college that in order for him to be a starting NFL quarterback, he would have to improve. That's a given. That's a fact. I cannot argue that. He was going to have to make improvement. I don't know that he has because I'm not seeing him. 13 passes, uh, a pass here and there, is nothing. It's just it's waste of time as far as evaluation but what they have on him in practice and on film and the stuff that those guys are studying leads you to believe that they think there's something there and there is something there i don't think anybody could disagree that there's something there at the very least if there's not something there in terms of a starting quarterback then there's something there in helping your team win football games. And that's the ultimate goal here is to win football games. So you bring in Jameis Winston, well, he could potentially help you win football games. And it sorts itself out. Competition always does. It'll figure itself out one way or the other. I mean, they brought in Bridgewater, and he went 5-0 and last year against yep. uh, the teams when uh, Breeze went out. So he helped them win. So maybe it's the same situation. It's a fascinating deal, even if it wasn't a local guy, but throw on the fact that it's a local guy, and I would love to see him succeed. I don't think we need to worry about it in the short term because obviously it's going to be Drew Brees unless he gets hurt. He's still got some stuff left that he can be a big-time player or a player good enough, even if he wasn't what he was. 
but in time, it's going to be fascinating. Because, you know, you viewed that, you said Steve Young was a late developer. Well, when Steve did what he did, was anybody surprised when he took over? Uh, surprised. I guess I would have been, to win zero. a Super Bowl and be a multiple MVP. I, I mean, I think the perception was that he had a chance to be a good quarterback. But at the same time, he'd been in Tampa, different situation, you know, franchise, the organization, not as good. So, I mean, I, I thought people thought he'd be good. And I think the thing that happened is because Montana got hurt and had to miss a year, that gave them a chance to test drive Steve without having to fully commit you know, it would have been hard to trade Montana away if Steve hasn't played a full season. But he comes in and plays. And even though he got hurt in that year, you know, he had played in spots and he'd gotten starts. You know, Montana missed two or three games or whatever. But, uh, you know, to your point about, you know, 13 isn't a sample, really even half a dozen games isn't. Because as NFL people, you know, as the best and the brightest collect film on you – they will find a way. If you can't do something, they'll let you have it and they'll take everything else away. And so the more you put on film, the more you get tested. And I think, you know, when he goes in and starts 10 games in a year, I think at that point the Niners know we've definitely got something. We can move Montana. He's older. He's been hurt. Steve's younger. He's ready. And that year that Steve played, he was 30. So it's, it's, pretty, com- it's pretty comparable to what happened with Taysom, you know. And Steve started almost 20 games in Tampa Bay at 24 and 25, and I don't know. In that era, were guys getting that many starts at 24 and 25? Now it's routine. I guess it would depend on the guy in that era. There's probably both stories, guys who are sitting and watching, guys who are playing. Now it seems like most guys at that age are playing. Well, I felt that in the situation that Young was stepping into, there'd be no doubt in my mind he would succeed because he stepped, he stepped into an organization that was still – maybe not completely in its prime, but was still in the boundaries of its prime and was still really, really good with a lot of really good good players around him. So I had no doubt he would succeed. Now, I cannot say the same thing about Hill. Oh, I would agree that I was more sure of Steve Young than I am of Taysom Hill. That I would definitely agree. Uh, But I don't know that I would have gone out and wagered on a Super Bowl win and two or three NFC title games and multiple MVPs. I mean, I thought he'd be good, but I didn't know he'd end up being that good. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles is coming up next. Stay with us.